As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hold That Podcast podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Branch. Along with my co-host, Brody Miller, we are both of The Athletic. Brody, how are you this morning? I am doing well, my man. How are you doing? You have had a busy few days where you uh, you stopped being an LSU reporter for uh, a few hours there and covered the Final Four for us. How was that? It was fantastic. Yeah, obviously, everyone knows it was in, it was in New Orleans, so I was able to kind of tag on and be kind of the floating, you know, writer guy just finding whatever no one else is writing about we know it was fun but it also led to the the fun saturday of double duty because as as we all know lsu gave us a full entire practice of access for the first time in literally 20 25 years so i'm like oh i literally can't miss this so i i had to and i live in new orleans as most listeners know by now so i had to drive to baton rouge Spend two and a half hours in the in the sun, which poor me, I'm not complaining. And then and then book it back here, sweaty, like and change into a suit, and then go go to two Final Four games. So you, you, long you day. wore a suit, not a suit. I I am a big believer in the the hybrid uh, casual slash sharp look of the dress shirt tucked into jeans with like a casual blazer. That is my go to look, where you look simultaneously very casual, but like you look like you're up for the the event okay you can you can lie i support it you can lose the shirt and you know go about your night or lose the jacket i mean not your yeah shirt, absolutely unless, unless it's a late night you know because here's the thing and i have a lot of thought put into this all right i i you i mean for most i am a youngish and especially young looking like baby face dude right and i have put a lot of thought into like okay when you try to like dress up and like because, you know, there's, there's always a hybrid of, like, how you're supposed to dress for these moments, right? You're going you're gonna to see some, like, national columnists who are just, like, wearing literally freaking sweats. And I'm like, all right, you know, he does what he wants at this point. Then you see people, like, in, like, you know, basically business casual or suits for the moment. And you're like, all right, well. And it's like, I feel like when you're young and you dress like that, you look like a, a kid in his dad's clothes. You know what I mean? Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're trying very hard for mm-hmm. the moment. But at the same time, if me, the baby face guy, goes up in, like, casual, like, very chill attire for a national championship it's like this kid doesn't get it you know this kid doesn't care so it's a real fine line i'm constantly wrestling of what is the exact right way to dress for certain sporting events i put a lot of time and thought on this and i well, think the I'm, middle I'm, ground I'm, is good 
I'm sure you did great, Brody. I'm sure, you know. It doesn't I, I sound would. like you agree. It sounds like you think that was a bad move. The only thing is that, like, I didn't see you. I don't, I, I don't, I didn't have eyes on what you were wearing to, to properly comment. Fair. Well, you know, I'll, next time I'll, next time I'll do like a fit check, like on TikTok for you, you know, and like. Please, please post a TikTok with your fit checks for your, your sports writer garb. I'm sure it will go mega viral. I think it'll do really well. Uh, just like, hey, here's a. Banana Republic jeans that don't fit, but I'm too lazy to go shopping again. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would do well. Well, I will say, Brody, that your looks uh, really don't matter because your stories are great. Uh, Brody wrote a couple of really nice stories this weekend about Armando Bacot, uh, the North Carolina big man who uh, injured his ankle twice this weekend, really gutted yeah, through some stuff, was absolutely North Carolina's best player. Brody wrote a great story on him and his parents and he also wrote if anybody caught the game last night about the harrowing four to five minutes where <laughs> kansas realized it had stepped out of bounds and was uh literally giving away a chance to north carolina to tie the game when they had the national title sealed up and lucky them but go read those if you're a subscriber to the athletic uh their own birdies profile uh they're wonderful you should do that um let's do a quick rundown of the show today uh, I am going to make, I'm going to start off because we love segues here with a final four, uh, tie into Will Wade because I'm good like that. I'm built different. Um, and then we're going to talk about football. I want to talk about some standouts from practice. Um, a couple guys leaving some newcomers and then we have our new favorite segment coming back again. Of course, the last five minute club. Uh, we had some great feedback on our question from last week. And we have some new questions for everybody. So, you ready, Brody? I am ready indeed. Let's do it. Okay. Here's, here's the connection here. And something I saw on multiple mediums where LSU fans, who might be a little salty, and I understand why, uh, were making the point that Bill Self, who just won his second national title, uh, got no criticism from the national media about the uh, number of level one NCA violations levied at him in the Kansas program uh, for recruiting violations. And nobody really seems to be talking about it. And Kansas won a national title and it's all hunky dory. Uh, meanwhile, just we're, we are just a couple of weeks separated from LSU receiving a few more uh, notices of violations, which fine. Uh, and then cleaning house and having the entire, literally the entire team leave in the transfer portal which I understand and accept wholeheartedly. Uh, LSU is starting over, as we have talked about. We don't have to rehash that. But it is just fascinating to me that Bill Self seems to maybe be a little better at this than Will Wade was because he distanced himself from it a little bit. Uh, he wasn't directly tied like you know NCAA had Will Wade literally on tape. Um, and also he wasn't as brash about it as Will Wade Um it's just interesting to see the juxtaposition there. Is that do you think it's only because of how, you know, in your face Will Wade was to the NCAA about these these violations that this this narrative and the story is so different? Yeah, I think and by the way, I don't think like LSU fans who are obviously angry about this <laughs> excuse me. Um Bless are you. like, you know, they're not wrong to be like, hey, this is a little hypocritical. Yeah, I mean that that's fair. Um, I think though you're you're on to the probably more accurate thing of yeah it's a little bit of one okay if you want to get nitty gritty with it like Bill Self is obviously there's five level one violations like it's not nothing but it's a little more like Adidas representatives were handled you know it's like or um, you know assistants or 
you know, it, like the accusations against self are usually more involved with like he didn't exercise due care into managing the program. You know what I mean? It's more like the kind of I don't I hate to like be you know whatever about this, but like it's kind of the classic you know like way a coach gets in trouble. It's like more like oh he didn't really get the guys in order, but it's not like Bill Self like you know like like Sean Miller and Will Wade were you know, and I think that's a very relevant difference in terms of how we talk about it. You are not wrong though that. Yeah, there is something slightly – I'm not going to say weird because I think I understand where it's coming from, but a different tone just about the way like – and we see this with everything, right? The way like people are willing to pounce on one person versus not another. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know where that all comes from. I think some of it comes from – some of it the, – the, the real answer half the time, right, is just like whether someone's likable, you know? Like I'm not saying everyone's like big Bill self-lovers, but just like Will Wade just carried himself in a lot of ways that a lot of people didn't like him. And it meant that, and also the way he carried himself in a way that was like kind of going, he was going at the top dogs, being aggressive mm-hmm. and just like making enemies. That's the best way to put it. He was making enemies. And I just think there's a lot of that involved. And there's the, and then of course, like you said, there's the way it's like, not just was he doing all of this himself, like hands on, but then he's covering it up. He's giving hush payments. He's just blatantly lying to the NCAA. I think that, added even more layers to it and the ultimate thing on top of all of this is and like just it's repeating the same thing but like we said bill self is more like you know like oh you, you know some stuff was happening in kansas and with lsu it's for three years now we've been hearing of a literal audio tape of him saying he's giving a guy a strong ass offer like sometimes you know it's like now well i was there's an example in my mind i'm not going to use but but just like when you hear the <laughs> when you hear the audio you know like it changes the discussion uh so yeah i mean it's a little hypocritical i'm not going to sit here and say you're wrong but then there's the other argument that like it's like well it's like it's all kind of legal now well we'll wait is the mafia don who has been sticking his nose up at the the cops and and some uh prominent national columnists for years and bill self is just the all shucks guy who maybe um, conveniently looked the other way while some stuff happened and he's, he's going to get it right back to normal and you know, it's Kansas. So congrats to Kansas for the national title and for them to uh, maybe handling this better than we'll wait in the LSU staff did. You know, it's funny. Uh, anyway, I, I had a thought I was turned to our colleague, Hugh Kellenberger during the game and I'm like, until he won this title, if I have, I've had a long lifelong theory that Bill Self and Bob Stoops are actually the same person. And oh, I mean, no. that is, I mean, that is both a very strong compliment and also like, you know, the slightest mm-hmm. of digs where it's like no one there was never a time in either sport where anyone was ever denying they were both top, I don't know, five coaches in their sport. Right. Like there's never been sure. a situation where they weren't but the same. And like they were clearly the two programs that probably and I feel actually decent saying this most steadily were always in the title conversation in their sport the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Like. Kansas wins the Big 12 every year. Oklahoma won the Big 12 every year. And both were always, like, in the top eight, right? Like, But they both mm-hmm. had one title. And then it's been a lot of really good teams that just quite couldn't get over it. So it's like – and they look a lot alike. Like, they have very <laughs> similar Midwestern dad energy. Like, that is who they are. And, and I just I – I'm missing bringing it to college football. So self-winning a second title here is big. Because it elevates him in the legacy zone. He's no longer Bob well. Stoops. I can also I can also uh, make the connection here in that Bob Stoops was Mr. Premier, hottest coach in college football until LSU beat that ass. There you go. 
in the title game. There you go. I'll never forget a lot of a lot of listeners who were alive and sentient. Um, LSU is is uh, it's halftime of the national title game. I believe it's fourteen seven LSU. Um, LSU ends up winning the game 21-14. but LSU is is just stuffing Jason White, which is like looking back is one of the funniest Heisman winners ever. Yeah, um, could barely move in the pocket, uh, and so he didn't have any time. And LSU's just eating their lunch. Marcus Spears, all those guys, um, they they're coming off the field, and the uh, the the reporter interviews Stoops, and and they're like, you know, this this LSU team is the best uh, is the best defense in football. Like, you know, is it what you expected? And they're like, he, Stoops was like, they're they're not the best, they're, they're not the best, they're the best scoring defense. They're not the best total defense. Like, please get it right. <laughs> and then like stormed off. And I was like, we are in your head so bad, my dude. And you know. Also, Bill Bill Self got his ass kicked in a title game too, wasn't that to Kentucky here in New Orleans? I believe it was. Remember Anthony Davis here? Anyway, uh, I like it. I'm going to stew on it. It's a good one, Uh, but it's not true anymore. We should let's get to it's not true anymore. You're right. I do think we should get to what the people came for, which is uh, LSU football. So sorry, guys. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, So you had a full practice. You watched the whole thing. How how long did it last? Uh, Give me some general thoughts as you were. Uh, consulting your clipboard and taking notes. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of surreal, for lack of a better word, right? It's like, and again, I don't want our tone to be just like, like thank you, LSU. No, like, these programs all should do this more. But still, it is very uncommon, especially at, like, the top of college football, right? Like, the big, big program. So, it was cool. I mean, it's just the honest answer of, you know, it's it's been, like, five years of watching, you know, like, guys stretch, basically. And then it's like, oh, you are actually watching intense one-on-ones between linemen and coaches getting into it with guys and, you know, giving them crap and, like, punishing them. And, you know, we're watching actual 11-on-11 scrimmages, which we always normally, like, hear these fake stats about. And we're like, oh, this is what it actually looked like. So it was it was really relevant. And it was really exciting just to kind of really fleece, had to fill up the, the notebook and start kind of getting a sense of them. And this is good for all you guys because it means we're better reporters. It means, like, we're asking more informed questions and like everything just piles on from there. So it was a cool atmosphere. Right. And I do stand by the practices do have a slightly different energy. So it's cliche, but like kind of just controlled intensity, I think is, is stronger. And and so far in the practices we've seen and yeah, you know, I think the team has a lot of holes, but I also think there's a lot of things that look, you know, kind of top tier. So it's going to be a, we'll get into the details momentarily, but it's going to be a fascinating next, you know, six months it's like it's like uh, a really good restaurant shut down and a new really good restaurant took its place and you know changed the fixtures on the wall might have changed how the seating is set up it's still good they changed the soundtrack it's a whole new feel right it's not you don't have to you don't have to rely on the energy cliche but it makes <laughs> sense i mean it's i mean it's all new people there you know we we've talked about this at length that uh it's it's a mostly new building full of new employees yeah <laughs> No, it's, and a lot of new players. It's wild. I'm, I'm like actually seeing people. It's just like wow. Like it used to be. You no, know, it is like you recognize every operations staff guy or you know whatever. Right. And you're like, oh wow, I don't know half of them. But yeah, and you know, it's to, just to kind of get rolling on practice. I think everyone wants to probably talk about the quarterbacks first, right? Yeah, of course. I think I stand by it. I think I pretty much said this last week's pod. It really does so far. Just Miles Brennan looks the sharpest to me, and I don't want to like come out like like a strong take columnist two weeks into spring ball. But like 
it just kind of feels noticeable to me. And, I, and, I, and I'm not going to judge it. I, I tweeted like the, the and I wrote that, you know, Brennan like looked better in the scrimmage. I'm not going to hold that against Daniels because Daniels was going in the scrimmage against. I mean, he was literally with the second team offense. And again, we know how loaded LSU's receivers are at the top. But we know it's not deep, and with a few guys out, like he literally was doing with second team offense with three walk on receivers. You know, three you know little guys that probably played local high school ball, and yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So it's like I am not going to hold that against him. But throughout every, you know, I think I've been to four practices now. Brennan just looks more in control. He looks sharper. His balls look better. You know, everything. He just looks more in command, working with the rest of the team, all that stuff. While. Daniels, and again, I can't like I'm gonna repeat this every week until we see a game and you guys just have to deal with it. But I do believe this. Like, I'm not gonna judge Daniels hard also because the things Jaden Daniels does well are not going to shine in a practice setting. Like, you cannot accurately display the elusiveness and like chaotic energy of scrambling around and like making multiple defenders miss and like that stuff's natural turn on the game moment. Like Joe Burrow wasn't showing his pocket escaping ability, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's just a different yeah. thing. So I'm not going to hold that. Cause I think that's Daniels is probably a little bit more like you need to see him in a game, but I, I just think Jay Daniels, he's, you see him just missing basic throws. You see most of his throws have a, a pretty strong wobble on it. You know what I mean? Mm, and, okay. and there's just kind of this, and we always knew about there's like a casualness to him, and I'm not going to hold that against him either. Sometimes that just looks different and people don't like it. But like you did see him take off running like immediately often, which was the biggest you know, bugaboo there. So part of me really does like Brennan so far, but we can get into that more in a second. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Well, I'm going to say from reading your story and hearing you say this, that I'm going to reserve my judgment on Jaden just yet. I think he probably needs a little more time to get timing with people totally. to get used to the offense. I'm still excited to see what he can do. And, you know, we, we are going to have a field day with the spring game, I'm sure. Uh, I'd love to hear that Miles is doing great. I mean, I guess, the you know, the interesting thing, and I, I know I've mentioned it before a little bit, but I'm just curious about his mindset and how that translates because – He's a guy who's had every single thing thrown in his face the whole time he's been here. So um, this last one could have sent him off in a spiral. And it looks like it hasn't so far. So that's awesome. Um, I just, I am reminded when I read your story and people who listen to this podcast during last football season will know that like the awe factor with Nussmeyer and his arm, it's like, you know, it hasn't translated to the game fully. Uh, at least from what we've seen. But it's just so funny. You reminded me of like, I turn into a little kid when he throws the ball. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> ball go far. 
ball looked pretty. It looked pretty is the right he word. Ha- he has that arm, man. And, like, he might not throw it in the right place all the time yet. He, he's, he's still learning. Uh, and Miles is, is definitely the, the more productive and polished quarterback right now. But just you writing that, I was like, I'd like to see Nuss play a little bit, though. Yeah. I, I'm excited. I just I, I love to see him throw the football. So I, it's fun that that's, that's back, and it's something that I haven't really thought about because he's kind of lost in the shuffle right now. Yeah, right. Everybody just immediately assumes he's still a young guy developing, or, or they assume he's going to transfer, which I don't think is going to happen personally. But, or at least well, not. People, people look at Walker Howard right there and says, what, wh- yeah. why are we going to wait three years for Walker Howard? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he might you transfer know? next year, but like, I just feel like yeah. right now it just doesn't seem well, well advised. But anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, pretty is the right word, right? And I think it'd be silly of people to disregard him as having a chance here. I think he has a chance. Like, I'm not going to give it a high chance, but he does. And he even gave an interview after practice where he said, like, I'm not just some dumb gunslinger, you know? And and I think he's right that it's, like, a little overblown. Like, he's really smart. Like, he is smart. I wrote, like, a big feature on him before he ever signed at LSU about just, like, how incredibly, like, smart and well thought out this kid is and, like, how he's been, like, mapping his career since he was a kid. is obviously the son of Doug Nussmeyer and, like, the great quarterback coach and quarterback and you know and and i think like he's smart he just has a little bit of like i am a playmaker and he took off running a bit too much as a freshman he throws some picks but like it's just learning as a young kid but man you like pretty is the right word like i don't know i'm not gonna pretend i actually know anything but i like brennan might have a literally stronger arm but nussmeyer's arm is just like the liveliest you know there's that slight difference right there's like a a certain like pop to the throw, a certain like it pops. Yeah, like a certain like it's not even like a deep ball. It's like the way a ten yard fade in the corner has that like gorgeous little like I'm not gonna pretend I know quarterback stuff, but like that gorgeous like little sharp arc to it. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like like yeah. up and then plop, and it's just like beautiful. It looks like it has like a fastball with movement, you know, and just like mm-hmm. oh, it's everything yep. has such a good pop to it. He looks he threw some throws Saturday that were as good as any throw I saw. The, the tough thing is, yeah, Brennan just, and again, context, you know, I don't think Nussmeier's like being put in situations to run the first team completely yet that we've seen. But Brennan just, you know, he looked really, really good in that scrimmage. And he looked good in the drills, too. He, he was like, I used that example of like, there was one throw where Daniels rolled right and just kind of missed a throw on a rollout, you know, just like, just looked kind of bad. Missed, it was a wobbly and it was behind the guy. And it was just, and then so they're like, all right, Brennan, do the same thing. And it was just kind of, again, not like the hardest throw in the world, but it was right on the money. And in that scrimmage, which you haven't even mentioned, the literal first play, you know, Brennan has pressure coming immediately from the left. He shows some good pocket presence and does kind of one of those casual, like you step like three steps outside the pocket, you know, like, and not like mm-hmm. not you're running, but you move the pocket right do that little crow hop throw and you throw like a 65 yard, you know, bomb to Dre Jenkins. And the next throw, he, he put, I think it was the Hilton. He just put this like absolute laser in between. I want to say like two defenders in traffic for like an eight yard gain. Like there was a four inch window and it's just a line drive that only he could fit in there. And he just looked good. You know, I don't, I, I just think, yeah, Brennan looks the sharpest right now, but as you said, he's also in position to look the best like because he's the Mm -hmm. oldest because he's been through all this he's you know he's just by default so i'm not gonna say it's like over god no i wouldn't be shocked at all if daniels is the starter yeah we'll see um i mean i'm just i i I guess we're we're all waiting for that the spring game that's that's gonna be and even that's gonna mean zilch i know but but there was there there is some truth to like 
putting that on film and putting that on tape and yeah i guess we'll see how it goes um i do want to touch on one thing we, we talked about the very crowded linebacker room last week um and as we kind of uh came to the conclusion on the podcast that somebody was going to leave the person's josh white yeah he's now reunited with um david randett baylor wish him all the best he's super talented guy i guess he saw the writing on the wall or he, he didn't you know or whatever do you, do you know anything more about that about what went into that decision and you know what he was up against yeah i won't say i know what, everything that went into the decision but at the same time yeah I, I think it's safe to say there was a situation where again they were so high on him and he's also like one of the better yeah. kids like people love josh white but yeah just you know he was just genuinely injured pretty much for two years and then yeah you add in two transfers that by the way are your age or, or a mm. year younger, maybe. No, I think they're, uh, yeah. And so it's like, okay, not just is it like these young guys coming up, but it's also like you're bringing in new guys that are my age. I, I think it's just kind of a situation where I don't think there was no path. Like if he played for good football, I think he'd be in it. But same time, yeah, it's just like sometimes it's like the TJ Finley one where it's just like he still did believe he was going to compete for that job, whether he's right or wrong. But eventually, there comes a point where you're just doing the math calculations and you're like, hey, this might be better for my career. And, of course, Aranda yeah. was the guy who loved him. A lot of that Baylor staff, Colin D'Angelo, Dennis Johnson, guys like that are there at LSU, and they loved him. Uh, so, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense. And you see Apu Aika just dominating last year for Baylor. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe it'll be a similar story if he's healthy. It's a big if, of course. I mean, that's the, uh, the the defending Big 12 champion, right? Yes, so, sir. Uh, pretty cool. Good luck to him. You know, I wish he would have had a better chance here, but uh, I'm glad he's going to a familiar face. Uh, one more thing I want to talk about practice. and There's a lot I want to talk about out. practice. Okay, well, well, I'll give you the floor after this one. <laughs> you know, the, the secondary is so fascinating to me because it is completely new, mostly, 95% new. And so I, I don't have, as a fan, I don't have anybody to glom onto yet. You know, we have the, the names. We know the names and we know, you know, uh, Bernard Converse. He's a first-team All-Big 12. We know the two Arkansas guys. They're from Louisiana. It's it, it's all great, but, like, I, I haven't really seen them play much. Yeah. I haven't, you know, so I'm waiting for that guy to, to be like, that's my dude. And you might have highlighted one in Greg Brooks, who seems like he's making a lot of plays. Can you um? What, yeah. What did you see out of Greg Brooks said that made such an impression on you? Yeah, and I think he's somebody play, uh, fans will really enjoy watching. You know, and I think I even wrote this last week too, right? That he also just—I never want to make too much of like little observations, but it already—it looked like he was kind of the guy who would be calling things out to veteran to, to players and like communicating on the field, which that alone's a good sign for a transfer. And then to see him, I think the first two practices I was at, he had a pick each day. And, and, and in scrimmages too. And then I, I saw at least two interceptions Saturday. You know, he just looks – and he's going to be a fun player to watch. He's just one of those nickels. You know, there's certain nickels where like – I'm not making the Matthew comparisons. I'm going to avoid that at all costs. But there's certain like nickels that have this just kind of like hoppiness to them. You know what I'm talking about? Like this kind of like hoppy mm -hmm. like bounce to them. And it's like, man, that guy might make a play at any moment. He's not big, but he's just like – I mean, Jay Ward kind of has this actually. And it's like – I, I think he has that. Like, he just has this kind of hoppy, like, quickness to him. And you're just like, oh, he's going to jump around any second. I mean, he jumps on one-on-ones, and you're like, that's kind of tough to pull off. Um, it's just considering the routes they're running. And so, yeah, I think mm -hmm. Greg Brooks looks really good. We didn't get a look at Bernard Converse Saturday because he was out. Right. But still, he's probably, like, the best, you know, in a vacuum, one of those. I think another one that I'm just fascinated by is Joe Fusha because he's, mm -hmm. he's physical. He's pretty big. 
I don't think he's like a coverage guy inherently. Like obviously he's a good, co- he's an SEC safety, you know, he's a good coverage guy. But like I think he's a little more of the in the box type. But and I'm not sure if he inherently looked good Saturday. And I don't know if he didn't look. He definitely didn't look bad. But it's just like there were some battles between him and Malik Neighbors, and it was fun to watch because like it's like oh man, this is the stuff we'll never normally get to see. Where it's like they are right. talking absolute shit to each other and like wrestling on the ground and like an hour later they're still kind of frustrated about it so the next rep they're like you know when, when different drill comes up they're going back at it and they had some really interesting ones he made some nice plays so and he and he, you, he clearly is going to be a good tackler so i think he's another one but brooks has definitely looked the most just football wise impressive so far just on what we've seen but then garner man it's like he looks like he should be an outside linebacker like a good edge rusher. Like he is <laughs> yeah. huge. It blows your mind that he's a corner. And, you know, I think we thought this a million times, right? You know, you heard some things about like maybe Napier and his Florida staff didn't exactly pursue him. And I think there's some questions about like his SEC, you know, just like a little quickness stuff. But man, that and Kelly, but then Kelly called him an NFL corner. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give him that, you know, due diligence, I guess, these next few months because he looks massive. He made some really nice plays. Some others were, yeah, it looked like he got beat a little bit in coverage. But, yeah, I'm fascinated by all those guys. I think the thing to worry about, and we all knew this. This isn't new, but it's like the second you saw Bernard Converse out at practice, it really, like, highlighted the issue. It's just being like, oh, Bernard Converse is out. That means the next guy up is Demarius Mickey. And I've been talking about this every single episode, I feel like, but – it's just I think it was so easy for a lot of people to be like, oh, three open, three corner spots, three transfers, boom, problem fixed. And it's like that's not how this works. One, you have, yeah. you have no confidence all three are going to just like translate immediately. Two, guys get hurt. Corners get hurt all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, yeah, they just don't really have depth. I mean, I think McGee's probably going to be fine. Radar Jones had all this absurd upside that coaches were salivating over, and that just hasn't happened. And, uh, and also I believe – Jordan Tolles is taking some reps at corner, but I mean, I don't know how that fit's going to go. But you just you just look at it, and you're like, oh wow, this is that this is a real issue, and we shouldn't like just brush it off. Something to think about. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm that that is like I feel like my most unknown category on the LSU football team. You know, there's there's a lot of familiar face, faces in other places, even if it's a whole new staff. But the secondary is just going to. I'm the first game. I'm just going to be like, who's that guy again? What's his number? Like that, you know. It's going to be interesting, and I hope the depth works out. Um, those are those are all the questions I had about practice, Brody. But it seems like you got some takes, Bruin. Hit me. Well, dude, I mean, the best part of that practice, and it wasn't even close, was how much we actually got to watch linemen going at it. Like that's what mm-hmm. I. That I mean, I think a lot of the passing stuff actually is nonsense in practice to some extent because it's like all simulated stuff, and being able to watch these linemen who. You know, are kind of the story of the season in a, in a lot of real ways. Like, really go at it was just huge. Pastoral situations, run ones, just like basically big cat drills, but more private. Like, it was it was big. Mason Smith, first off, I mean, it's not a surprise. I think he was on the way to becoming like an All SEC lineman as a true freshman last year before he got a little banked up. He looks like he should be just no joke. More, like, put him in the word categories kind of guy. He just looks like a freak. I mean, he was obviously bulldozing people. But then he also had some finesse moves and all that. And, like, I, I can't imagine the value of last year coming up, proving you're, like, one of the best. In, he was literally, for about six games, I believe the best interior pass rusher, like, in the SEC. Like, 
him as like a classic D tackle was just scary. And then getting that experience as like a, a four three end as a run stopper, like that's just uh, I, I think that's probably really valuable for him as just being this versatile like JJ Watt esque piece. And mm-hmm. but was so juicy to me was you know, and I'm I don't think this offensive line rotation should mean anything right now. Like actually throw it out, but. Xavier Hill was noticeably at left guard reps, first team reps today, and Schwan Schwartz was out. So, don't, you know, it's not a huge deal. But that was interesting because then you watch all these drills and you're like, okay, you know, that's interesting. He's first teamed and haven't really heard much about him lately. And then he was one of the clear winners of all these drills. Like, and these are several different drills across the whole day. He just like mm. was manhandling a lot of guys. He won 80%, 90% of his reps. So then they put him on Mason Smith for a bunch. And Mason Smith bulldozes him once. And Brad Davis kind of gets on him, gives him some kind of clear coaching point. And they basically say, go again. And then he stuffs Mason Smith. And then I think like an hour later, they're, they're doing pass rush stuff. And Mason Smith like swim moves him, I believe, but a really good finesse move gets by him. All right, they get on him. They say go again, and then he actually kind of not stuffs, but he stops him, you know. And I, I'm just, right. and I, and Xavier Hill's probably somebody, and I don't want to be hard on it. You know, there's certain guys you know this very well, like who are designed to do fantastic in a one on one. The question is more like how do they work as an all five guys linemen, the IQ stuff, all that, right? Like that's a a different thing. But Xavier Hill was fascinating because he just like he won against the best one of the best players in the country. So I think that's one that really jumped out at me. Um, Jacoby and Guillory, man. That guy, I mean, he was always clearly meant to be more of a true zero nose tackle. And maybe the 4-3 mm-hmm. th- wasn't ideal for him, but he still played some solid football. And he's only a third-year guy now. Top 100 recruit. He looks like he's clearly going to be the starting nose unless something dramatic changes. And he looks like a good nose where it's like, he just, he. I mean, it's so obvious. He gets lower than the guys against every time. And that like, gorgeous football nerd way of just like perfect leverage every time and then just like drives them up and back like five yards it was granted the centers he's going against lsu aren't exactly great but but still like it was like okay that guy's clearly the starting nose right now uh and then just some other quick notes cardell for the second straight week is the first team right guard do not know what to make of that fascinating absolutely fascinating i know i've i've written him off i've been like literally trying to remind everyone for three years a guy that's not gonna I know. <laughs> and he had some really good reps. The thing is, he also had some reps where he literally fell on his face. So, like, you know, he's got to mm-hmm. – I think that's probably going to be the Cardell experience. But that's fascinating. Miles Frazier remains with the second team. Obviously, he's the highly touted transfer from FIU, freshman All-American. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to make too much of that, but it's something to follow. I don't think he's inherent. I think he has to prove a lot. You know, Brad Davis told me about a month ago. He's like, Frazier's raw, really raw. And then the other one people probably want to hear about is Will Campbell. Um, you know, the five-star early enrollee mm-hmm. freshman. And I, I wouldn't put my money on him starting, but he looks ready. You know, like he needs that. Like he's going to be a, a freak next year when he adds, you know, 20 pounds of muscle and all that. But he looks sure. ready. I never saw him lose a rep. You know, kind of that thing where like you're not like blowing the guy up, but you are stopping them each time. Like he looked mm-hmm. like a good technique left tackle and always held his own against really good edge rush. So, yeah, I, I think uh, – and there's more I'm just, like, blanking on. But there's the O-line battles I think were the most informative in a lot of ways of the whole day. I love it. You know, I you have really informed me of maybe how my brain works as an LSU fan because uh, I really outline my worries and answers to those worries. Um, the defensive line, I, like – I mean, I, you you wrote nice things about them. You, you just made great points. Um, 
I guess I wasn't worried about them. Like it's a bunch of studs back there that I, I just assume we're gonna be we're gonna be good. And then and so my mind said, okay, you don't have to worry about them. And then I'm like, yes, we should talk about how awesome they're gonna be. It's so stupid about that. So thank you for that. I mean, <laughs> shush. No, but like I mean, it, it, it's full of awesome recruits that Coach O brought in that you know are still there and played really well last year in a lot of spots. Uh, and I mean, with maybe some different coaching techniques, they they're going to be awesome. And it's a different front, um, obviously. So it's going to be. I'm really intrigued by like how guy which guys thrive and like I I have no idea how Ollie Gay is going to be is more of a three four end. You know, like right. that's something to really ask about. And I don't, haven't gotten a great answer yet. Haven't like noticed him blow anything up but at the same time like three four ends right they don't exactly blow things up the same but mm-hmm. i think that's something i'm really fascinated by but like i think mason smith's gonna be even better than the other three four dn role so it's something i'm so intrigued by and obviously ojalari now as a stand-up linebacker is gonna be probably dominant i mean it just feels like all those guys are pros smith ojalari Gillery, yeah gay like uh, just four four pros on the defensive line right now totally probably more behind them so uh, I'm pumped about that. Yeah, I'm weirdly like not super stressed about the offensive line, which which might be dumb on my part. Um, I think just having the bodies in there and and good guys, and and my brain says they're going to figure it out. Uh, might be optimistic thinking after last year. Yeah, but if anything, the last two years in the entire LSU football has taught us, man, don't assume anyone they're going to figure it out. You can't, you can't do it. I know. I guess I, I guess this, this is one thing that I'm trusting the new coaching staff with that maybe I should be more skeptical about. And then, uh, well, you know, after week one and they allow six sacks, uh, I'll come on here dejected. But <laughs> um, I'm trusting them right now, and, and, and I really like that we kept Brad around. And um, I think it's going to be good. I mean, of course, it's spring practice. This happens every year where I'm like, maybe we could win 11 games. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm going to chill out on that pump front. the brakes, yeah. Yeah, we're we're playing against each other. Nobody nobody's gonna say we're looking bad right now. Yeah, like has any co- has any coach in a spring practice been like we're not where we need to be? This <laughs> team is not going to be great. Actually, yes. You know who? The legend, the god. You're Steve Spurrier, Steve Ensminger. Oh, really? Remember? Oh when my god! Uh, summer of 2018. Like we interview him before the season, and he literally is my favorite. I think maybe my favorite interview ever. Where he's just like he's not even being dramatic about it. He's just like. Yeah, uh, I think we installed half the offense tops, um, you know, and just like he's like, yeah, we have no idea who the running backs are. Quarterbacks a mess right now. Uh, we have a bunch of receivers, but none of them have proven anything. And it's just like he was just blatantly <laughs> like, yeah, no, we're not ready. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it was. That, I appreciate that. It sets expectations. Steve's a god, and uh, I won't say there are many people I cover. Steve Ensminger, OG. All right. Well, there you go. Well, Steven Zbinger's not around, so I assume He's alive. that while we'll get – while we'll get, well, yeah, I, I didn't mean he was not with us anymore. Damn. Okay, Brody. Um, anyway, yeah, I assume day. we're going to get very guarded statements from Brian Kelly and the staff about how LSU is looking, so they would, we still have a long way yeah, to go. Yeah, just for context, they wouldn't even, like, play ball on, like – positional stuff like you know what i mean like of course you know there's usually a little bit of like you know he looks good you know like they're not even playing ball with like being giving like <laughs> anything that we might use as like a pecking order you know so, sure you know they're like they're, they're like you'll get a full practice and nothing else and it's it's going to be a fun contrast between ogeron and kelly right we're like ogeron wouldn't give you the most insightful like in the weeds answers about like what's going on in the program not really you know but he'd also mm-hmm. just kind of like 
not have the discipline to like just not tell us some stuff he's supposed to not tell us you know like he'd just be right. like oh yeah that guy's hurt you know he would just say it or like <laughs> it's just like oh i don't think you're supposed to tell us yeah. that or like you know i think this guy's probably number one on the depth chart like he'd say that because he'd let that stuff mm-hmm. slip while kelly's giving us some really cool insight into like process and really how they're running the program and what's changing like real thought out this is how we're doing things stuff but he, i don't think kelly will ever let something with the team and roster slips. So it's going to be a real trade off there for you guys as uh, readers and listeners. Any, um, last thing about practice before we move on to our last five minute club, any, any updates on Kayshawn at all? Uh, was he around? Yeah. Like, no, did, glad we, you asked. did we see him? Glad you asked. Uh, yeah. So he was at practice the whole time. You know, he's, he was on the bike a lot, walking around, obviously in a boot. Um, he doesn't exactly look like he's the most fit, right now but at the same time like we're not body shaming here um he's injured you know there's only so much he can do <laughs> yeah but yeah um no i think it was a good sign that he was just around the whole time he's been at each practice i've been to but yeah he's he's standing next to all of his receivers and drills and like talking to them and stuff so you know, am i gonna make too much of that no i think i think the stuff kelly's referring to is more like workouts in the morning you know like in like meetings mm-hmm. that stuff but but you know it's a good sign for sure and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. Um, all right, Brody. It's our favorite new segment, the last five minute club. I'm excited. We had a uh, vigorous discourse about our thoughts last week and everybody was very split among, if, if you need a reminder last week, we tried to pick who would win between the week one, 2020 LSU team and week one, 2021 LSU team. Um, I, I was no clearer. I was not swayed away from my, from my thoughts and you shouldn't be either because I don't know. It, w- it was it was going to be a, a slop game that somebody would have to win, but um, it was a fun discussion, so thank you, everybody, for participating. This week, I have a great question from a reader. We, we got a lot of great questions. Thank you guys for writing in. Um, we might, you know, some of the questions that I got, and also, thank you, everybody, for following directions and sending them just to me so we can make this as organic as possible. Well done. Reading comprehension, listening comprehension, off the charts. Uh, so I got a lot of questions. I might save a couple for next week, uh, depending on, on the crap we get after this. Here is the LSU question, Brody. What happens first? Kim Mulkey goes to a Final Four. Jay Johnson goes to a College World Series. Or Brian Kelly goes to a college football playoff. Oh, so I think there's a boring answer, unfortunately, that probably is the right one. So here's, the, here's it's just like I, probability. I, I'm preempting what you're going to say. Yeah. I thought about making this Jay Johnson goes to a college world series I, final. I think 
Oh, and that's too hard. Yeah, I, I see your issue. Like that's the odds of that are the smallest of the three by far. While right. making the World Series is the most. Should we just say, should we just say the last four teams in the College World Series to make this even? Because we're all talking about the final four Oof. of each sport. It's tough, even though that that means different things in different in each sport, and there are different no, ways to I, get there. I like there. it. I think that's a good move. Okay, we'll do that. And a lot of this is semantics, so we're all really talking about the same thing, which is who's most likely to. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to get literal. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna? Who's most likely to get to the top? Um, Still though, I mean, this th- this is on record, Brody. And the minute it happens, <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody will come I, racing back to this. I podcast am glad. 40 this, I in. love this prompt, that I feel like we're gonna talk about this for a bit. So I'm excited, like because so this might be more than five minutes. Because actually, in a separate group chat, I was we were in like a lengthy discussion of basically all of all of the hires. Period. Yeah, like even like you know, uh, gymnastics, like every one of them. Who is most likely to win a championship? And I said Mulkey very confidently. But yeah. And I feel deep. Uh, but at the same time, it's like when, when you make it playoff slash final four slash, you know, we'll call it Omaha run. Man, that gets tough. What's your immediate thought? Mm-hmm. I'm going to think for a hot sec. My immediate thought is Johnson. I think so, too. I, th- I think there is less competition top to bottom in baseball and LSU is in a different tier. Now, LSU has had their struggles this year. They can't seem to field the damn ball. Yeah, uh, they can hit. They, they can hit everybody, which is great. But um, fielding errors could also be fixed pretty well. I think more than maybe <laughs> hitting a fastball could. So I like the chances. And this is a new era, but every single Paul team made a run in late April and won like you know six of seven series. And all of a sudden they've you know they've won seventeen out of their last twenty. And they're heading into Omaha, and and they're hot. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's Jay Johnson to me. That's what I would, if if you made me bet money, it would be on Jay Johnson getting to a College Road Series final or last four. Um, but I mean, also with the transfer portal in all sports, it just feels like Kim is primed. Like, could be next season. I know, right? That's because it's like I think I'm defaulting to Jay Johnson. Yeah, not by numbers because that's not fair. Like football is also a program that should be top ten every year, so it's like it's not accurate. But at the same time, there there is just like a probability feel to it of like LSU baseball by default should be one of the sixteen best teams every year. Yes, and they have like a resources that to your point, like LSU football should always be resources talent tops like they should be in the big six right like that's probably mm-hmm. or seven you know maybe seven while like baseball if that some if they get the right guy who knows how to channel it should be number one two or three right and so i i think you're probably right and we'll and I, i'm gonna wait because like i think if the answer is championship i think we all agree on the answer but i think you're right and i'm trying to look at mulkey when she made her first final four she won okay she won the national title in year five at baylor which is relevant because mm-hmm. Baylor was an even har- actually yeah never mind, yeah even that, that's ten times a harder rebuild than LSU was like they, right. they were yes. winning eight games a year so that's mm-hmm. mind boggling now she's coming here where first off the situation's just better you know we saw them get, I mean next year's gonna be tough but still they're, they're this were, was this was the rebuilding year yeah. and they were number three seed in turn well they're gonna take a step back next year. Because just they're going to be young as shit. Mm-hmm. But still, you're. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, year two at Baylor, she didn't have five stars coming in. You know, and she is five stars right. now. So, yes, I think – oh, man, the more I think about this, 
but women's basketball and I'm I'm sorry I'm talking in circles but women's it's okay I know right because women's basketball it's like there are five teams every year maybe six that like are juggernauts like they are like there's such a gap in women's basketball right that like I feel confident Kim will get to an elite eight pretty soon that's reasonable at least the Sweet Sixteen but getting to a Final Four in women's basketball is so. So it's, I mean, honestly, I think college football might be the comp, the playoff, right? Where it's like those, you know, UConn, South Carolina, Louisville, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm blanking on some juggernauts. I'm, I feel so stupid right now. But like, they are just absolute powerhouses, Stanford. And like, while like the 11th best women's basketball team isn't, you know, a juggernaut. So the gap to get LSU from three seed to one seed is massive. While Jay Johnson going on, you know, being maybe the 11th best team, but going on a uh, late Omaha run is so possible. So I feel like I feel better about that answer now. And we shouldn't I, discount Kelly, but it's just, you know, it's tough. I, I know that that's the thing. It's like we're not even, but I think it is easier for the first two to get there than it is for Brian Kelly to get to a college football playoff. I mean, and honestly, and the unfair part of the conversation is it's, his chances aren't even just because of where else he stands in college football. Who's in his way? It's, it's, it's Nick Saban. It's, it's the Alabama. conference it's, part, right? Like, it's Kirby Smart. It's all of them. And I'm not as – I'm more scared of that tier of coach than I am about Kim Mulkey going up against Gino Ariama or Don Staley or anybody and Jay Johnson going up against anybody in the country. Yeah. You know, there's not, there's not that big, you know, uh, hurdle that we have to leap. No matter how good of a coach Kelly is, so and even further, like I think that's right. They might be. I, I actually, if you ask me, like who's going to be the quickest to be number five, like the fourth actual best team in the country? My answer is Kelly. That make any sense? Yeah. Like I actually yes. think that's possible. But just mm-hmm. college football is this weird, you know, which we're all alluding to, like this weird thing of. But they're third best in their conference, or f- yep. a lot of years they're fourth best in their division, but they might be seventh best in the country. Not lately, but you know what I'm saying, and like. That is what makes it harder. Like if everyone in college football was independent, my answer actually is Kelly making a playoff. But it, that's not how it works. So you like have this different road, this different hurdle of being like you might get to the top, but you have a different hurdle of getting there, like to the the playoff. So yeah, I feel good about I, this. I want us to put a pin in this because it's going to be hilarious when uh, Kelly goes eleven and one this year. Yeah, one shot loses, lose, loses to Alabama, uh, and then gets the four seed in the playoff. And then all of a sudden he's he's gloating. Over and that could happen very soon. This. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Uh, but it was a great question. Um, I'm I'm sorry. That I, was a good one. I, I, I loved it. I couldn't find I couldn't find the question. I apologize to whoever sent that in. That oh, I'm, I'm forgetting your name. Come on, I know. Part of this is about worst. user experience and connecting with our fans. We're not even giving the guy love. They know. They're, they're, and look, you know I what? Will, when you find out who it is, you got we got to like Venmo. You know, like come on. I'll I'll Venmo them a dollar. Angrily tweet me and include where you, include documentation of where you sent it, and I will Venmo you a dollar. I promise. Um, I I do have a second question now oh, no. that I have I have come up with that was actually reader submitted that I am going to uh, veer off a little bit. This is a fun uh, another five minutes. Put put theoretical five minutes on the clock, even though we have not uh, stuck to that at all. Um, at Red River Baseball on Twitter, DM'd me. It's from the 3018. Shout out to Shreveport. Um, have you ever had Johnny's Pizza, Brody? Do you know what Johnny's Pizza is? John, isn't that like a chain in Baton Rouge? Uh, it is a chain mostly, and I know it from Shreveport. It is mostly in North Is Louisiana. it Johnny's Pizza House? I think so. Yes, I've had it, yes. 
It's it's cut into strips. Yes, I've okay. I have absolutely had that. Yeah. He asked, he asked about Johnny's pizza versus Rotolo's. Um, I am partial to Johnny's. Rotolo's is good. Rotolo's also has a lot more like places now. Like they have yeah, a fancy they're blowing pizza up. Place yeah. Now. I was more asking, what is your favorite? Uh, what is the best type of pizza to you? Are you a thin crust guy? Or are you a deep dish guy? Thick crust? Great question. Tell me and I will judge you. So I want my answer is actually Johnny's, which is wild. But it might be more about like what's checking the box more than what's better. You know what I mean? Sure. I think about that a lot. Of like, There's so many places where I'm like, yeah, like Chick-fil-A is better chicken than Popeye's. There's no world I'm ever going to argue that. But I want Popeye's what? every- That's absurd. I'm talking about literal quality of like the piece of meat. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean like- if we're like at a, I'm rest- talking about taste. Yeah, no, that's my point, right? I'm like, if we're talking like you bring one at a restaurant, you sit down at a table and you plate it, like yeah, Chick Fil A's chicken holds up, all like Popeyes, we know it's, but I choose Popeyes ten out of ten times because it's checking the box. I want more, so mm. I choose Johnny's. Mm. But even though I think Rotolo's is probably much better pizza, um, like quality. A- answer your Maybe question. Maybe they should send us some pizzas and we can do this live. <laughs> Like a thin crust probably ranks like last for me. It's not bad. What? I, I love thin crust. Oh my God. Dude, you're the worst. See, this is why you're. I still love it. There's no pizza that's not at least like a seven for me. But I, and I like deep dish, but that's not. I think my favorite is that in between zone, right? Like, like pizza delicious in New Orleans, as you know, is my favorite pizza, like, period. I have a deep love affair with it. And, sure. And that's like a lot of the time my favorite, where it's okay. like, it's that, that is that's, a thinner crust, that, though. You, okay, so the, I thought you meant like thin crust, like, you know, like a Johnny's. Or, oh, like a like a cracker crust situation. Yes, I thought that's what you meant. I mean, I love that, too. I am a thin crust Because that's bottom for me, even I, though it's still good. Pizza, pizza delicious and that, that, like, New York style thin crust is top tier for me. But that's that's the thickest I want. I I don't want. Yeah, I was gonna say because Pizza D is a little thicker than in, in New York, but like it's obviously in the New York mold. Because yes. I feel like the funny thing is we put all these pizzas in boxes. I feel like yeah, literally, <laughs> um, that was not intense. Uh, wow. But seventy percent of pizza actually lives in like an in between zone of all of them. You know what I mean? Like once you go to like the Midwest or like the South or whatever, it's like it's actually somewhere in between where it's like. You know, there's a solid thickness to that crust, but it's definitely not deep dish. Like, uh, mm-hmm. Hungry Howie's is the best example, right? Like, most pizza probably lives in that, like, zone, like, of Hungry Howie's or, like, Pizza mm-hmm. Hut, where it's, like, there, I would not put that deep dish and that is not thin. That is just, like, it's pizza. Does that make, See, it, yeah, like, does that make yeah, sense? I, 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 it, I, it does, and I don't – that's the kind that I'm just, like, pick a lane. Like, <laughs> be better. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I mean, it's all good, but like the the thing is, is that the bar for good pizza is so low that like True. if you have a functional dough and decent cheese and a decent tomato sauce that is melted together, I'm gonna eat it. Like, there's 100%. no question. I had some Pizza Hut at the Final Four last night, and guess what, man? There you go. I love Pizza Hut. I'm sure it was great. I love it. Um, Wait, so yeah, what's your you number? Know, one? Also, what's your number one though? I don't think you, did you tell me? Was it New York style? Uh, I'm 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 getting to it. Okay. I will say I am a sucker for the um, non traditional cut, like Johnny's. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. G- give me some. Give me some good nooks and crannies. I mean, I know we're we're in a pizza slice world, and the slice is superior uh, in design, but like love the novelty. My favorite pizza on this planet, Brody, is at Florida Lee. Sorry to oh be a god, cliche yeah. no. Baton Rouge guy. Oh my god, I it is, love I, it. I grew up eating it. It's got it's it's got a great 
It's interesting. It's got a great dough, and I normally don't like this. It, it, it's kind of chewy. It is a little chewy, but something but it's about chewy it in the best way. It's like it's a, there are certain places where, like, I actually don't like this in theory, but the, in, the ingredients are also perfectly executed. Where it's like, doesn't matter. It works. It's. I, I grew place. up eating it. It's every, every time I go back to Baton Rouge for more than like two days, we get it. It's just it's 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 a wonderful experience. <sighs> I brought Claire um, there. She was a friend of the show, Claire, and she was obsessed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, Florida Lee is like, it's, it's just and, the by the way, and I just, there's been like a reversion of like now people being like Florida Lee sucks. You know what I mean? No. When something gets, well, something becomes like the insider beloved thing. And then it's like, well, actually it sucks. And it's like, they sound, they sound like miserable people I that I don't want to agree more. With. I mean, if there's anything um, I tweet most in this world, it's not about sports. It's just the words. It's weird to tell people that they, what something they like isn't good. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. I, I mean, lot of thoughts you know, you will never hear me say yeah. something sucks. Yeah, Maybe that's bad fair. Podcast. Okay, but I'm glad I'm glad we could agree on this because Florida Lee is my favorite pizza on the planet. It bops. It it slaps, Brody. Bops is not the right word. I have to tell you this over and over again. Well, anyway, it, if sorry. you're talking music, slaps is one tier below bops. It's like slaps, it's really good. Then with bops, it's like a little bit better. And that's just me making you know saying that's that. that's you just made that up. Anyway, no, there are tears. Britain, um, I wrote a college essay on this. You know. Thank you at Red River Baseball for sending us down this rabbit hole. But um, this is a Florida Lee uh, stand podcast. But I, I will also pick Johnny's because as somebody who has spent a lot of time in a 318, always get Johnny's when we're up there. Always delightful. I didn't know they had one in Baton Rouge. That's fascinating. I'll have to get it next yeah, time. Yeah, there's one um, at a oh, pretty close to my old apartment. But here's the thing. Um, oh, my God. What's the pizza place I'm obsessed with on government? Oh, my God. It's been like a year. Uh, pizza beverage. Because, like, as much as I'm talking about, like, anti oh, Ro- Roca, as much as I'm talking yeah. about, like, anti elitism with pizza and, like, how, like, sometimes I just want Johnny's more, even though it's not as good, Roca is mi- probably the number one for me now. It, and I say that it's the biggest Florida Lee lover. Like, I think mm. Roca is elite pizza. I think it's just it's, fantastic. It's, 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 a, it's a different class of pizza, but they're different tiers. We have, to, we, we, we have talked about pizza too long, but that is great. I'm sorry. Everyone. It's okay. This is the last five minutes club is the biggest paradox that, and, and I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, thank you everybody for participation. We really want to make this a thing. It's very fun. Um, this week, please again, send your questions. Brody, what emoji should we have for the last? Oh my God. I forgot club? to think about this. Um, I picked the dolphin last week. I picked dolphin last week. No, I did. We're, we're going to go back to the tape. I'll show you. Um, oh my God. but I'm going to say corn. Corn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, uh, tweet or email me a corn emoji. We had a couple of listeners. Uh, <laughs> one, one, she emailed me and said, "I'm not going to make a Twitter account just for this, so you get an email." And I said, "That's that is fine. what we I need. That's that. better. That's actual effort." <laughs> so uh, you can email me at cbranch at theathletic.com. As always, you know I like to spring these on Brody, so I get his unfiltered thoughts. Um, Send me any questions. As you see, we just spent as much time on pizza as we did on LSU's uh, title chances in various sports. So we are all questions lovers here. Uh, please send them to me on Twitter or an email. Um, Bro, do you have anything else to add? No, I think we, we did good. And let us know if like this last year you know, we went 20 minutes on this. If that's like you guys are enjoying that. But either way, thank you guys. Either way, uh, great podcast. Uh, give us five stars, however you do that. And uh, see you next week.